welcome to the Expand Her podcast with myself, Sarah Louise Sutton. I am an intuitive life and business coach, and it is my sole purpose to help you unearth and claim your sole purpose. With myself and special guests, you'll be hearing about all things intuition, guidance, channeling, manifesting, healing, and energetics, and how you can use all of these things to not only create a magical and expanded life, but also to create a successful, heart-centered, purposeful business, doing exactly what your soul came here to do. Thank you so much for being here with me today, and it is from my heart to yours that I am sending you so much love. Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of The Expander Podcast. And this week I am joined with my friend, my beautiful friend, Madeleine Monroe. Madeleine is a sexologist, a trauma educator, and she is an expert and absolute queen with all things communication, relations, relating, sex, sexuality, sensuality. Oh my God, she is a fountain of knowledge. And I'm so excited to be joined with her today. And we are going to be talking about all things communicating, setting boundaries, conscious relating, and just seeing where the conversation goes. So I'm super excited. I can't wait for you to hear her wisdom. And yeah, welcoming to the podcast, Madeleine. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's such a privilege and honor. Yeah, to be on your podcast, Sarah. I was thinking about, um, yeah, doing this and we talked about it and I was reflecting on how much, yeah, you've helped me in my life with like business and spirituality and the advice. And I think it was only the other day when we're in um, that cafe and you're talking about your business and it just blew my mind, like how you, yeah, how you deal with everything and how you've built your business. And it's just for such an honor to be able to drop into this space with you because I really look up to you. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't cope. Thank you. Honestly. Oh, so sweet. So sweet. And I'm just honored to have you here because you're the biggest fountain of wisdom and knowledge. And I like I've learned so much, so much from you, especially, especially with communication and heart energy. And just honestly, I'm so excited we're having this conversation. Finally, after after the delays of Bali Wi-Fi <laughs> and these noises outside the window and some cats, we're doing it. <laughs> Yay, I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to get started, like what, who you are and, and the work that you do, the amazing work that you do in the world? Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. Yeah, super excited to be dropping in with you. Um, Yes, I'm Madeleine. I'm a sexologist and a trauma educator. So what this means is I work with people usually in the niche of sexuality, intimacy, relationships and connection. Um, But unlike perhaps a sex sex coach, I'm more towards like a sex therapist. But I really um, weave a tapestry of different modalities together. So that's why I call myself a sexologist because it's a bit broader. And it means that I work on a somatic level with people in their body, their subconscious, their trauma, the wounds, the triggers, the attachment styles. And we really look at people as like a holistic approach. So if someone came with a particular intimacy issue, we'd really look at where that began and then how it's showing up in all of their lives rather than just in this one remote part. So 
yeah, that's kind of the work I do. That might sound quite broad, um, but yeah, helping people to move through those kind of areas while looking at the whole picture and hopefully transforming lives as well as the intimacy pieces. Mm, not a lot then. Not a lot. <laughs> oh, so, so incredible, honestly, the work that you're doing. And I'm excited to speak to you. I guess, I mean, we'll see where it goes, but the intention is to speak about communication as I guess, a practice, right, when it comes to our relationships, our friendships, our work relationships, boundaries, like, and, you know, I know for me, it's changed so much in my life since, you know, and I still think of myself as a beginner, but it's changed so much of my life by practicing this way. And I'm just excited to hear all of your wisdom and knowledge. Um, Also, on the back of that, like, I guess my first question is, is, for yourself but also what you've witnessed in your clients after working with you and and practicing kind of conscious communication and relating and intimacy what areas of their life or what ways is their life transformed by working with communication because I think some people might not think it's a big thing but I just know oh my god it's huge oh thank you I really yeah I love this question how you've weaved together all of your insights in such an eloquent way um and I love before how you described it as a practice because that's how Mm. I see it I think people Mm. think communication is something that's like I'm just not a good communicator and it's Mm. like oh it's like we're learning something new you wouldn't say I'm not good at riding a bike if you've never really tried it Mm. and I feel like we're not brought up to communicate We're we're brought up as children to sit down and be quiet and not cause you know, any noise or sound or a ruckus. So just really honoring the journey it takes as adults for us to kind of understand the power of communication in adult life. Um, yeah, and so with this being a, being a practice, yeah, so perhaps I'll start with my own life because um, I really feel it's, it's been one of the key foundations that's transformed everything. And I used to have a huge fear of intimacy and a kind of a fear of deep connection. Um, You know a bit about my journey. At one point, I I really wanted to be a nun and I really found solace in being alone and just meditating. And actually, it was communication skills that helped me to feel safe in relationships, to feel safe in connection, rather than thinking, oh, I'm going to be hurt. They're going to blame me and do something wrong. I was thinking, wow, like this is quite scary to be this vulnerable with someone. It's scary to feel this attachment growing. You know, I'm a bit... Um, activated by how deeply I feel affectionate for this person and we've got the skills to navigate what's coming up and navigate our vulnerability through this so that's my kind of personal piece and yeah so with clients yeah it's just so profound and one of the things I find myself saying often is if couples come to me or perhaps as a partner from a couple saying oh we've got relationship problems one of the first things I'll say is, it doesn't sound like relationship problems, it sounds like communication challenges. Mm, this is the key piece that so we kind true. of get stuck at. Yeah, it's just these communi- we're not taught these skills, so then if we're coming together and we're thinking one thing, we're not able to say it, or, you know, and it can be so triggering to mm. communicate. It can be so triggering. So really learning the whole skills can allow, yeah, couples to really navigate this, either become closer or choose in a loving way to find that path or just really mm. deepen, yeah, connection to ourselves and others. Mm. Oh my God, I love that. And like such a good 
just what you said about it's it's most likely not relationship issues it's communication issues and not being able to share what you're feeling or what you need or what you desire so strong so strong um and also it's about getting triggered like I know for me I think that was always my breakdown and always my lesson is like in communication is I would always take things personally when having conversations whether in a relationship or friendships um yeah I would take it personally get triggered and I'd have a body reaction and then I'm responding super unhealthily um is that something you notice a lot as the kind of like the breakdown of communication I guess is it that people get triggered or is it people's um you know unresolved trauma that they may not know about you know triggers their body like I just love to know what you think the the kind of breakdown of communication is for most people like using maybe people that come to you as an example or yourself uh, yes brilliant I love the way you phrase this like yeah the breakdown of communication what that means and here I'm wondering if you're open to a reframe around like I remember you saying just say then like oh super unhealthily and mm. I'd love to offer like oh actually was that perhaps the healthiest thing our body was doing for us in this moment mm. um, see I told you she's that. wise <laughs> 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 and just offer that compassion and here perhaps I'll I'll go into some science around this because this is what I find mm. really helpful because yeah. it can just I want to normalize all the everyone that may ever feel triggered because mm. so what is going on here and I'm gonna um, marry together a few different models so for example relationally what may happen is we may have um, a wound in ourselves from an unmet need from a parent so for example um, if our parents worked a lot when we were younger or weren't potentially present with us, then that may be our initial wound, an absent caretaker. And so then so that's our first wave. So then as an adult, if a partner or a, a friend or a boss or someone that we're in connection to, if they may not reply, we may feel that they're absent and we may feel ignored again. So that's our second wave. And within that, rather than it feeling like, okay, they haven't replied, they're probably busy, they love me, it's all fine. We, our brain may go straight back to that first experience when we're younger and thinking, oh my gosh, this is happening again. I do not feel safe. My caretaker is not here. They're, not, they're absent. And so we can feel all those emotions from that first wave in the second wave as an adult. And our system is literally flooded. And so here then what happens, if we delve into a bit of the brain structures, is our um, frontal cortex in our brain will actually flip. So actually, like the brain structures in our, uh, will actually change when we're triggered. And someone, if anyone would like to know more about this, um, I really love the psychiatrist Daniel Siegel because he describes it in some of his courses and his videos. He's like, it takes two to three seconds for us to go from a reasonable person feeling attuned to someone else to being triggered. That's it's mm. two to three seconds. Wow. And then what happens is our brain literally flips. You know that phrase, like they flipped, you know, oh my mm. gosh. It can come with so much shame. But our body is so overwhelmed. That that's how it's trying to keep us safe. So that part of the brain, the brain that's attuned to like the needs of others, the, the part of the brain that helps us to respond in a flexible way, the part of the brain that helps us to remain calm, it's, it's all gone offline. And so we're in mm. fight or flight. 
-hmm. And that's how our body is trying to keep us safe. So I just want to use this kind of science to help us have so much compassion and understanding for any time that we're triggered. Because it's like, okay, my body was overwhelmed. That's the best way it knew how to help keep me through the situation. And then I moved into a trauma response from that place. So swinging this back around to your original question, yeah, this is kind of what I would see as the, the breakdown is that when people are triggered, what they may do is try to communicate through this from a triggered place. So for example, if that, that our brain is flipped, uh, we're not able to tune to the others, our trauma response is overwhelming our body, perhaps we move into a fight response. So we're feeling really angry, we want to shout, we want to push someone away it's sensing the other person as a threat and we're communicating from that place. Mm-hmm. And then that person is going to have their own response and they're going to be too triggered. There's these two trauma responses just trying to communicate with each other rather than their two actual embodied adults in a way that they can relate. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of what happens when we take things, like you said, personally and, and feel our real wounding from this place when it's all these, the nervous system, which is, which is overwhelmed. And so here, what I tend to invite clients to do is just slow everything down rather than this model of like, oh, don't go to sleep angry, go to sleep angry, get some sleep, get some food, come back to yourself, resource, and then communicate from a resourced place and allow yourselves to do that rather than from this triggered place, which is like you said, the breakdown of communication. Mm. oh my god I love that and also just saying like um go to bed angry you know like and sort it out when you're relaxed like I think we've you know I was always told like never go to bed angry with you know (laughs) your partner like make sure you sort it all out the night before but um on reflection I'm just thinking about (laughs) just think about relationship my relationship (laughs) now um gosh it's always better in the morning you're not coming from a a triggered response anymore and like you said like this fight fight response or whatever your natural response is so I love that bit of advice I actually think it's the first time I've ever heard that so thank you for sharing that um are there any other kind of I guess advice I guess this would be going more into a trauma response but um advice you can show on how someone can like regulate themselves again when they're in that space um like whatever the trigger may be is there a is there ways that you share with your clients to regulate that when they're in the moment um yeah yeah great um and what's quite challenging about in the moment is it can like i said two to three seconds it can change really quickly so just really honoring all of our journeys with trying to catch at the point before it happens and just having that understanding that if we do get really triggered that's okay and Mm. and really yeah loving that part of ourselves Mm. and so yeah advice um what i potentially do is start by zooming out and trying to understand what responses seem most common for us so some people will tend to go towards fight and so they'll be more angry and some people may go towards freeze and they make you mute and the or fawn and try to people please a way out of conflict mm. and so when we can kind of understand what patterns come up 
we can name this in relationship to someone. So I tend to go towards freeze. So if something comes up, I may not be able to speak. It doesn't mean that I don't have anything to say. I just can tell my body's overwhelmed. So we can kind of, I would suggest or invite partners to kind of get to know that each other's trauma responses so that we can just hold those in the basket of the relationship itself and just mm. say, okay, this is, this is your triggered self coming up and we're welcoming her and, and let's be with her and then calm down and resource. And from this place, if we kind of know these responses, then I would invite before we perhaps, so that we know that if we do flip the lid and we go to that place, we've kind of got that understanding of what's going on. Mm. And then in the moment when we're trying to regulate ourselves, my sense would be to, if we can name to the partner before or friend or whoever we're in this connection with, mm-hmm. saying my nervous system is overwhelmed right now. Um, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm over capacity right now. Can we come back to this? So perhaps naming it in the moment, if we can, it may not be an option for us. It may not be yeah. available. And from this place, then if we can, either finding resources externally so things to touch or hold smells um so that's external to help bring us back to our body because sometimes Mm. if we're too triggered coming straight back to our body may not feel safe so it can help to use external resources like a hot drink a blanket essential oils to start slowing down the nervous system or regulating up depending from which side we're coming from and then coming back to our body and perhaps using touch or grounding to really just bring ourselves back into that regular place of regulation. So good. So good. I love all of that. And I love that advice. And I think that's going to be really helpful for people who, you know, whether it's even a work conflict and you're, de- and you're at your desk and you find yourself getting triggered by your boss's email, you know, or or something like this and all these thoughts are going in your head of oh my god am I going to get sacked or like whatever I think these are great in any scenario whether it's a relationship or a family member or you're at your desk at work you know I think I think these are great um and that's so interesting because I feel like that scenario with a boss is one that's often that's not talked about a lot because you know I see memes you know I love a good meme and um, (laughs) I do love a meme for listeners if you have if you find me on Instagram just send me some memes I really love them um (laughs) you know I saw them the other day it was like is it me or does anyone else feel like whenever their boss calls them into their office like they're going to get fired lose their job lose their house and I was like because I've you know been self-employed for quite a few years I was like whoa I'd forgotten what that feels like Mm. and I just really want to yeah, because I know you also coach a lot of women around business or starting their business. And if they're still mm. in that employment, mm. just honoring that, you know, a boss can resemble our caretaker. They can also hold like our sense of safety within ourselves and that these emails or this dynamic can be triggering. So if there's a situation where we do get an email or called into the office, like how can we take a few breaths? Even if it's just like two deep breaths, coming mm. back to ourselves, going for a walk, getting some fresh air, like reminding ourselves that we are safe and then kind of going into communication in the workplace from there. Mm, Oh my God. I love that so much. And it's so, it's so true what you said, like, you know, they are resembling, resembling a caregiver. And, you know, when I think back about all of my employment time, even if your boss felt like a bit off one day, like, 
it would keep you on edge all day like it would be I would spiral yeah Yeah. and it'd be making up all these stories in your head of like why they're doing that are they thinking about sacking you like are they like all the stories that we play and in hindsight you're like why did I act like that it was an email or they've had a bad day at home and you zoom out and you're like wow I overreacted Mm. but it's like you said at the beginning it's never about the situation it's it's taking you back to the first, I can't remember what you called it, but like the original first event, wave. You know, the first yeah. wave. And, you know, I guess that makes so much sense why so many times we think we're overreacting, but, you know, this awareness but is going to be so res- powerful for that. Yeah, totally. And one of having experience of working with different uh, corporations or trainings and, and schools um, in my field now, one of my like hopes is that this like conscious communication becomes more normalized in the corporate mm. world. Like mm-hmm. having worked for leaders and working with leaders where we've got really clear agreements and we've got really clear boundaries. So when the, in those moments we're like, oh my gosh, am I have I done something wrong? Am I gonna get fired? We have the, that container within a in within a company to move through that. And I can remember once it happened, I was working with a colleague. And I had noticed that I hadn't done something on the deadline or I was coming up to the deadline, I hadn't quite finished something. And I was noticing I was getting activated, I was getting nervous. I don't know if you can remember the kind of thing you do about a deadline. I was like, yeah. it's not working, it's not going to be good enough. And I said, I shared this, I said, something's not going right and I'm scared that you're going to be really angry. And she said, oh, not at, like, not at all, I'm so glad you brought this to me. And what do you need? And I wow. thought, oh my gosh, no one's asked me that. Like, what do I, instead of being angry of like, well, why haven't you done it yet? She's like, what do you need to help get it done by the deadline? Mm. And I thought, wow, I, I actually need more clarity from you. I don't fully understand the project. And so that safety of communication between us allowed us to move through that mm. rather than that spiral of which I have known from working in a corporate life beforehand of thinking I'm never getting it done, it's never going to be good enough, and being in that activated place, yeah, for a long, long time. So just, yeah, bringing this intention that we can bring conscious communication into the business world like this. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love that. Also, she sounds great to even ask that question. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is a question that I think we need to ask so much more in life, you know, whether it's with our friends or relationships or when someone's having a moment, it's like, what do you need rather than trying to fix it, you know? Um, Yeah, and this reminds you of literally what you've said to me recently, because I guess listeners see you, yeah, as as a leader and teacher and as I do as well, but also as a friend, you Mm -hmm. ask this question a lot and it's just so sweet. And I just, yeah, really want to honour this. It just... Yeah, I really, you said at the beginning of the podcast, you feel like a beginner in communication. And I actually feel like you're an incredible communicator. Oh my God. Oh, bless you. I've learned it all from you. (laughs) You're the best there ever was. (laughs) You're always checking in so well. And it's just, you know, I think it really does create beautiful friendships when I guess you can have these conversations, you know, and, and, you know if something doesn't feel right sharing what stories are playing in the head you know like so within our friendship group you know if someone is feeling um any sort of way that's not that's not positive you know like someone may have said something and it wasn't personal but someone's taking it personal is them sharing that is what then helps this to be in the open and then everyone can reassure them and then everyone can kind of understand 
that person's triggers and this is what creates like such beautiful deep vulnerable relationships is when people are sharing what they're feeling instead of like hiding it within and yeah expecting other people to I guess read minds or <laughs> you know um yeah. yeah totally and yeah so appreciating that because then I feel that actually we can come closer in these moments like mm. as a workshop I'm running coming up it's just called like alchemizing triggers for deeper intimacy because I feel we can actually use these moments where we want to pull away and create a story of um I'm trying to think of something they didn't tell me about this they're angry at me or they don't like me and pull yeah. away when actually we can say hi and this is part of the communication skills of you know taking that ownership like hi this is what's coming up for me and I would really like to share this with you which is a whole different paradigm from you did this and yeah. and just really shifting that because when we allow ourselves to really take responsibility for our own feelings we can allow someone to see and hold us in this way they can mm. also feel safe with this and they can like see us in that way rather than feeling blamed and criticized i think that's you know we talked about the breakdown earlier but if we and this is part of non-violent communication it's like taking the i statements and naming our needs and so for example if if a, a common thing that I hear is um, what one partner may be saying, you never listen to me. And what we're really hearing underneath this is I need to be heard. And then we can ask for that. Does this feel like something that you can, you can show up for me with? And it's a total shift um, from perhaps this kind of paradigm we see on media, TV or drama shows. I can't remember what they're, I don't think they're called drama shows. I think, what are they called? I think they are. <laughs> oh yeah yeah so yeah yeah like reality shows you know and it's really yeah. like you versus me rather than both of us versus the conflict that we're trying to move through oh I love that I love that and I guess that yeah like the, the thought of one having to win almost in an argument you know whether it's friends or or family or relationship is that energy of like I have to win this argument I have to be the one that's right or get what I want and it's like you said should be both of you against what is currently showing up I love that absolutely yeah totally and then because this idea of yeah I do think popular culture has like a lot to answer for for how we're brought up seeing relationships mm. because we're kind of brought up in the you versus me so and so did this and and that you know a lot of this culture is based upon drama and, and active and like triggered states and then mm. being entertainment <laughs> And, so um, true oh my god I've never even thought about that it's so true that's what people call entertainment is when people are literally in an absolute trigger response screaming at each other yeah and I guess it's, it wouldn't be as well I, I hope my hope the dream is that one day you know we'll be able to see this on the screens but you know I feel like the way we move through conflict is so much just like oh, this is how I'm feeling and, and how are you feeling people are like oh that's not actually as exciting but yeah that's so interesting um, yeah, this whole, you know, when I hear someone say, like, I want to win or I need to be right, what I, you know, what's the need underneath that? And it's probably mm. or likely to be, you know, I need to be in control or I need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the need. And it's, it's thought that it's going to come out by being right. When, mm. actually, when really, you know, we have, I think it's Maslow, he talked about the hierarchy of needs. And in terms of nonviolent communication, all of our needs are actually equal. So my need is the same as your need. 
and neither trumps the other. So mm. rather than a win-lose situation, it's like, how can we come to a win-win? And this mm. is the paradigm of relating that I feel that we really get to live in now. Mm. Oh my God, I love that. I love that so much. Out of interest though, like one thing I, that just popped in was what happens when one person is doing this work? Like one person is getting aware of their traumas and their responses and their triggers and how they react in fight or flight. And one person is doing the inner work. What happens when one person is doing that, but their partner or maybe a friend who they're having some sort of like conflict or they want to sort some things out with isn't? Like, how would they navigate that? Yeah, so this place of awareness, uh, I guess, is, is what you're saying. Is um, And here, this is actually, I guess, quite a common phenomenon in, in relating when one person wants to do the work and either with friends, others don't, or in a partnership, um, someone else doesn't. And so here, perhaps my first step would be, well, just, yeah, really bringing some yeah kindness to the person that is not available to do the work because mm. it's most of the time they're not in a place of resource or desire to be able to hold what can come up with doing the work you know it's like we all have our resources and so for example we have our habits in terms of relating or addictions they're like our crutches and if we take those away there may be a lot of work we need to do so often when people aren't willing to do the work there may be a lot of pain underneath that might not be safe or doable to look at right now and can that be okay and but with this there can be quite a lot of a gap can form basically there can be some frustration because if someone is willing to do that and they're sitting with their pain and they're going through this journey and it's not always easy doing this inner work it you know there's the memes bring it back to memes again um of like you know so <laughs> self-care bubbles uh, bubble baths and bath bombs um, we know it's not like this. There's often yeah. tears on the floor, like desperation, thinking, whoa, I've thought this my whole life and it's not true. What do I think now? And so for couples where one person isn't doing the work, what I kind of notice is that at the beginning, there may be a desire to keep going back to this person or people, you know, trying to work through it or like in, in really trying to hold that space of this is where I'm at, where are you? And I've even seen like an extension of, and this may be more towards a codependent pattern of someone doing the work and they will overdo the work so that the other person doesn't do any, if that makes sense. Oh, so they'll internalize wow. it. Yeah. So, so someone will take no responsibility, <clears throat> excuse me, and, so, and the other person will take over responsibility wow. and that can form out in a codependent place. So that's kind of in one extreme, but generally, yeah, just space forms in where intimacy could be because it takes 50-50 to, to do it together, to come together. And, to, and we've talked about conscious communication and you can imagine how it play out if one person's like, These are, this is how I'm feeling, this mm. is my needs, I'd like to try this. And the other person's like, totally projecting. And they're saying, you know, no, you, need, you do this, you do that. I can imagine for the person doing the work, there'll be a point where it gets to the point where this doesn't feel mm. a nourishing experience for me anymore. I've done enough work and I want to be met by that as well. Mm. So that's where the distance can form. Uh, between mm. people where there is an imbalance of of not doing the inner work mm, yeah totally yeah I think it's a it's a it's a it is a big conversation because 
you know, I know for most of my clients, their partners aren't doing the work. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of people that probably find themselves in that space. Um, and also actually reflecting from the other way around is, and this is positive, is that when I first met Oliver, he was he was communicating this way and I was not like I couldn't even share a word to describe how I was feeling when I met Oliver and I also and therefore like I couldn't do that with myself so I wasn't able to hold his like feelings and how he was showing up in conversations and it was a real struggle for so long because even him saying the words like oh can we have a chat would trigger every single <laughs> wound yeah. within me mm. and I would be like he's about to dump me he's gonna dump me like that is how mm. I would react mm. you know and like the boss's time, email yeah. yeah exactly like that absolutely mm. um but you know I'm saying all of this so that it gives people hope if they're with someone that's that's not able to meet them is like, you know, now our conversations are completely different. And all it took from him was never calling me out as someone that couldn't communicate or like shaming me, or he just had nothing but patience. And I guess just always showed and led by example in conversations, if that makes mm. sense. And, you know, oh, he's really allowed yes. that space. Totally. And I love the key sentence you said there led by example and I feel like that is what will carry a couple through you know personal development mm. if one person has started potentially earlier on their timeline mm. and someone else hasn't quite delved into the work it's like how can I lead from a place of this is how I am you are free to be you and this is how I'm going to act and behave within us so that like you said the other person doesn't feel ashamed and they don't feel criticized because otherwise the opposite to what you said is I've seen couples where they do blame and, you know, you're not doing it. And, and someone, we're not going to open up. A flower is not going to open up if it's criticized, is it? Totally. We need to be watered and feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just love hearing that experience that you've gone through. Mm. And like when I reflect, I'm like, whoa, he must have had so much. Well, he does so much patience. Like if I think about how I was then. <laughs> oh bless me <laughs> but yeah, like you know you. like so much mm. patience and it, it would have been really easy for him to have got annoyed I feel you know at my inability almost to meet him where he was at in those conversations and be triggered all the time <laughs> yeah and this is the kind of um idea around like attachment you know when we have one person who's secure then those that are avoidant um, or anxious can come into that balance, you know, so they can kind of be that, that anchor and like, mm. this is where I'm at, I'm solid. And there may be a triggering that may be coming up for you, but I'm not going to respond to that like transference. I'm not going to respond to your trigger with my trigger. I'm just going to hear your trigger and stay connected mm. to myself. Mm. So I love hearing how you, you both modeled that. And mm. yeah, I'd love to know what you feel like the, the main yeah skill that you feel like you found from your journey with Oliver because now being around you both I feel like you you do communicate clearly and you have such a loving balanced relationship which has such deep foundations an example of a, of a real conscious couple so I'd love to know yeah what steps you had on your journey moving mm. through what you've described oh, a bit of a back flip on here isn't it <laughs> 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 I think I'm meant to ask the questions <laughs> Um, oh, good question, though. I think the first thing was me being able to communicate to myself how I was feeling about things. Mm -hmm. I think my, 
you know inability to share to him at the start how I was feeling what was going on for me what was in my head was because I hadn't I hadn't gone into that myself you know let alone be sharing it with other people so we would be having a conversation I'd just be so in my head like thinking about all future potential mm -hmm. scenarios that would happen from this conversation and I wouldn't be able to express what I was feeling but it's because I wasn't able to express what I was feeling for myself you know and so that was yeah. a lot of journaling and learning to be able to name how I was feeling and go within my body to to start expressing how I was feeling that was a big thing mm -hmm. I think um the other thing was just learning about communicating you know and and like what you said earlier on of bringing awareness to my triggers so you know i <laughs> i get super angry normally i i go a little bit irate if i'm triggered <laughs> and so every communication that we would try to have I would end up angry and it was like me understanding why and then me understanding this feeling in my body of being completely triggered and you know for a few years I didn't know what that feeling was I just knew that I was getting angry and it wasn't really reasonable to that situation and you know after doing this work and going into traumas and going into my past and where that's come from you know I've learned so much about that and so now I'm able to be in a conversation I'm able to like hold my body if I feel triggered and and kind of regulate it in a way that I've learned how to um so it's it, it's kind of actually what you said at the beginning about the advice that you gave of learning what triggers you learning your response in a in a communication and learning how you best regulate that um and that's shifted everything and also with friendships you know I never would have dreamt about having having communication in friendships like like I do now um it's all a learning right and but I was supported with someone very patient I want to also share that I'm sure that not everyone's going to have you know be able to grow or be given the opportunity to grow as much as I did because I, I am with someone that's that's very patient I love hearing all about this and yeah just the culmination of what it sounds like such incredible tools and awareness and inner wisdom of who you are then being able to yeah alchemize that into your relationship and you know hearing you celebrate that patience um with oliver and i'd love to you know offer this like intention for people that you know we have partnerships that we can grow in that we have that space to grow or be messy or do things wrong and our partners we can we can hold that with each other knowing that we're it's like you said it's all a journey we're all learning together we're not two perfect beings coming together at the divine time completely healed we're probably coming with our own wounds and how can we come together and, and support each other and grow from this place which it sounds like you really have yeah and it's just a beauty it is like the two people coming together and i love that i actually really hate the saying of my other half you know that saying of like <laughs> other half is like the mm. other person is healing you versus i'm healing myself i'm just given the space to do that in this relationship so yes yeah, so it comes back to that idea that we're not here to make our partners happy but if we we're here to make our you know i make myself happy my partner makes himself happy and then we come together from that place mm. rather than trying to rescue or like this idea of you make me happy so i make myself really happy and here we can grow together and have a really fulfilling relationship and life from that place of starting with ourselves mm, yeah i love that and a great time i read a quote yesterday 
and it was so beautiful um it was something like the the only person who can reject you is yourself and it's like you know when you're looking or when you place everything on someone else and the fact that they can reject you you know that creates a very different dynamic i feel compared to just really acknowledging the fact that the only person that can reject you is yourself and not there absolutely yeah i love this and this also comes down to you know this communication piece as well because often this breakdown is because of these stories or these projections that we're putting onto mm. someone else you know how many times and now we can really see it as as we do in our lives of wow i had this story i had this story that these people got together and they didn't invite me or they didn't want this or mm -hmm. this person didn't smile at me therefore they don't like me and mm -hmm. and actually when we say hi can i check in with you can i check can i just share a story we can kind of be like oh whoa that was my projection i have a wound around not being liked i projected onto you then i created that reality that that you don't like me mm -hmm. and that's another rather than coming together and just being like oh actually that's not the case I thought you were out of town therefore I didn't invite you so just yeah. really understanding how our, like you said our relationship with ourselves when we're rejecting ourselves it's so likely that we're going to project that wound onto others mm. and I just love what you said and um, you know that's been a big thing I think for me um, in terms of starting to you know create these deeper relationships and like relating almost is exactly what you just said when you said like hey can i just check in with you i'm creating this story around this and you know if someone for example has been not been invited to something but their other friends had or someone hasn't responded to a message for a few days you know i love that tool and you know you do this and we all do this in our group it's like hey can i just check in like i'm i'm telling myself this story about this you know and oh my god it's all it's always so huge because it's never what you think it is a story that you're creating but if that's left unsaid or if if you don't share what you're really feeling or how someone yeah the story that you've played that someone's hurt you that's what creates you know this weird dynamic and then these energies between and then it just gets worse and worse and worse because it's like this thing that's been left unsaid and you're feeling it um so i love Absolutely. that you just mentioned that yeah, and it can lead to resentment and withholds, you know, when we carry this one seed of they didn't do this or they did this, mm. and then we carry that with us, and then we'd often um, project it onto the next situation. So yeah. then we're kind of looking for confirmation <sighs> bias, or like, and they also didn't do this, and they didn't know that, and, and this whole elaborate, you know, story um, can, can come up. And then, yeah. like you said, we can diffuse it with these simple tools such as relationship check-ins which really honoring that that can sound really triggering at the beginning. You know, I remember mm. if years ago, if someone had said to me, please, can I have a relationship check-in? I'd be like, what? Oh my gosh, you're, you're, what, what do you want? <laughs> oh my God, I've done something wrong. That you yeah. stuff at me. Yeah. But now it feels so normal because we're mm. often clearing stuff in ourselves. So it's like, mm. hey, my, my inner stuff is this. I've noticed this story coming up for me and I would love to check in. Is this true? Is this your experience? Mm. And how can we find this this joint truth between us so I can kind of understand myself more and be more present in our connection? Because ultimately we value these kind of conscious friendships, but we want to show up fully and in truth rather than having these kind of withholds. I see them as cracks in the foundation that can just get mm, deeper and deeper love. if they're not addressed. Yeah. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And also, I just love that you really are a true embodiment of your work. Like, you know, obviously you're a very close friend and I know that this is how you live and you really are an embodiment of everything that you do and teach. And I just love that about you, like that authenticity with with what you share. I love that. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm thinking of that time when I think I sent a voice note to a couple of, of you. So for listeners like our dear close sisters, and I was sharing a story that came up and I really needed to check in in that moment. I noticed yeah. my nervous system. I want to normalize this because I think sometimes we can think that people that do this work or are teachers, they've got it all figured out. And actually I'm practicing it every day. And at this time, something came up for me. And I noticed I, I was triggered. I was thinking, oh my gosh, all these people think this. I noticed my nervous system's dysregulated. I need to send you guys a voice note and check what's actually going on here. And that was so healing. And it was within minutes that I that I think I heard your voice and I was like, wow, I've created this story from nowhere through my own internal wounds I projected mm. onto people. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like you said, like it's cleared within within minutes, you know, and whereas you'd be getting annoyed about that or whatever for like days on end. And then, like you said, taking it into every other relation after that, building this story and confirming to yourself that it's true what you're thinking and looking for evidence all the time of that so I yeah I love that I love that so much um one thing we've gone on a right tangent <laughs> I love it I love tangents um one thing I really wanted to ask you about is around boundaries because this is something I think is key with communicating. I think it's key for our own self-care, for looking after our energy, also that we can ultimately serve more, right? Like we can't serve from an empty cup. Absolutely. And the boundaries are so essential at all times. And I know from my clients, you know, obviously I don't do this sort of coaching, but I know from my clients and their lives that setting boundaries is often difficult because like they, there's so many stories that can come up when you set boundaries that you know the other person isn't going to like you anymore or they're going to think that you've changed or they don't understand about like so many stories that we create when setting boundaries and I would just love to hear your wisdom around boundary setting and how we can do this in a way where both people feel safe and and get what they need if that makes sense oh totally and um... Yeah, I really appreciate this question because I feel boundaries is so important throughout our, our lives. Mm. And it's come quite more into um, popularity recently, like the you know, naming of boundaries and stuff. But there can be a misconception that you know, boundaries are only there to put people, like, block people out. And I love the, the frame that actually boundaries are how I can love you and me simultaneously. Oh, um, strong. Yeah, <laughs> and we can put we put boundaries in place of people that we love and we want to keep in our lives mm. ultimately. Because in this moment, perhaps if we're noticing something needs to change, either we perhaps think, "Wow, I I need to bring this relationship to a close, or I need to take some space," or mm. we're leaning into boundaries and thinking, "This is what I need to be in deep connection or intimacy with you." So, yeah, I'd love to validate that boundaries, setting them and receiving them can be really triggering. So setting them, it can bring up our abandonment wounds. You know, if I say this to this person, are they going to still be there for me? Are they going to leave? Am I still safe in this connection? 
you can bring up that and the safety piece is so important in relationships because it's our foundation you know mm. it's our root chakra ourselves and others and that can that's why it can be so activating when it comes up and so setting them can be triggering and then also receiving them so like i started off this piece around boundaries um with you know really receiving them as this person loves me and this is what they need right now mm. and this is how we can stay in connection and it also gives me permission to have boundaries because what i've noticed is that boundaries may feel scary when they're the first time and the more we get used to practicing them it really gives ourselves and other people permission to say i need this in in our relationship or i need to do this um yeah so in terms of setting them in perhaps the most gentle and loving way i perhaps open up with is it possible to have a relationship check-in at some point and understanding Mm -hmm. that in itself may be activating if we haven't used that language um, and then choosing a time and a place that feels safe for both people and starting in a place of resource. So perhaps we feel connected to our bodies. We've got maybe a nice warm drink. We're feeling comfortable and just naming, perhaps starting with affirmation, appreciation around the connection. This is what I really love. I, this is what I appreciate about you. And then bringing it back to ownership. I need this rather than making it about the other person. Mm. And so I need this because then there isn't that personal peace. So for mm. example, I um, when I worked around boundaries recently and someone was bringing this example of, oh, I want to put uh, a boundary in with this friend. They're really draining. Can I not just say you really drain me? And, you know, I offer the reframe, how would it feel if someone said that to you? Would you mm. want to be open to connection with someone that had, has shared it in that way? And that may be the truth. Someone may be draining, but that's really an identifier that the boundaries aren't where they need to be for you to maintain your energy. Mm. And if we say, I'm noticing that my energy levels aren't the same as they've always been, or I need to just honor my energy levels a bit differently right now. Can I please, can we please have a boundary around how long we talk when we see each other? It's a completely different setting than I find you really draining. I can only talk to you at Christmas. Yeah. Yes. I love that. And just in general communication, I love that. Like just saying, I'm feeling this versus you're doing this to me or you're, you're making me, you're making me feel that way or you're acting in this way. It's so you said like how you're feeling because then it's not going to trigger that person's response in the same way. I love that. Yeah. Mm, yeah ownership and that starting from a place of yeah, personal responsibility mm. rather than making it about the other and then it mm. just it's reciprocal because then someone else is likely to meet us in a place of of yeah receiving it rather than being hurt or mm. feeling that they've been criticized and allowing mm. to move through it together and that permission for them also to have boundaries mm. and I love what you said like receiving is sometimes just as triggering as setting them you know both are gonna bring up wounds for both parties I think and just that acknowledgement as well. Um, you know, if you want to be able to set boundaries, you always have to accept others' boundaries and work on them simultaneously, right? Absolutely. And I do feel like boundaries are such an integral part of our lives. I feel like they're so key with people, with things, with activities, food, 
um, like Netflix scrolling, all these pieces, it comes down to boundaries. And, mm. and this is what we're, we're not taught. I feel like we're in a, even in a culture that is extractive and almost codependent. You know, we go to work and we think it's so normal for our boss to want us to work till midnight. Mm. You know, and if we want, if we wanted to set a boundary, like, oh my gosh, I'm being entitled. I should feel, I should feel grateful for this job. And what, what that is actually telling us is, you know, I it's not safe for me to have needs and have this job. I either have yeah. this job or I have my own needs. And this, this is why the whole culture and the whole paradigm needs to shift to really allow us to grow into like our fullest potential as human beings and, and honor our needs and grow from this place rather than extractive codependent patterning throughout the culture of thinking we need to do or please others at the sacrifice to ourselves mm. oh my god so true like you can you can have your needs met and have this job or and be in this relationship it's not either oh I love that so much just thinking like I think it's easy for people to think that if they didn't ha- if they don't have a boss they don't have to look after boundaries or anything like that you know I know I've had to personally set some in my business because it's easy as for example as a coach and having clients who have access to your whatsapp and instagram to get carried away and not set that you know it's not just when you have a boss you have these issues um yeah is that something you've also struggled with or you've got any advice on in terms of you know if someone's self-employed and is also struggling with boundaries yeah, this was a huge learning on my journey as being self-employed because, you know, when we're in the corporate structure, the boundaries are set for us, like you said, whereas here it's like up to us to set them. And what I remember one of my coaches said to me, you know, setting up your business is going to be the greatest spiritual practice that you, you embark on. And at the time, I, I don't think I really understood how big it would be. And now it feels like, oh, wow yes because all of our personal stuff is going to come up in our business all of our spiritual stuff is going to come, in, come up in our business as another aspect of our life and so with boundaries what came up for me was my people pleasing and my codependency stuff i wanted to go above and beyond for all my clients and fit them in whenever i could even you know wanted to rescue them at the very beginning really make sure everything was okay and i had to really look at my own stuff what's coming up for me where am i not um, embodying my own boundaries here and really model this and this where the deeper I've gotten into my sexology and trauma education it's, it's about modeling that so for those that are self-employed and working with clients it's like it's not only in the sessions that we're supporting helping or coaching it's mm. also in the relationship we're modeling with them empowering them to know that hi I'm available from these times. If you WhatsApp or email me, I'm not available outside of this time. It's mm. not because I don't care or want you to do well. It's because I'm also nurturing a full and abundant lifestyle. And you also have permission with this. Mm. And just seeing each invitation from clients, you know, if they want more, or what's this bringing up in me? And where's my inner work that I can do to set the appropriate boundaries? Um, so what's been really helpful has been putting at the end of my emails, I'll get back to you within 72 hours or Mm. naming that my phone will be off after certain hours or 
when I'm not available, I'm not available for advice over Instagram DM, privacy concerns. You can reach me through a discovery call or being on my packages, really making it clear what relationships are where. Because also with social media, we may find a lot of leakiness within relationships. Mm. People may know us from Instagram and want to get their help through Instagram. Yes. And, and where are our boundaries here with our followers and uh, that aren't paying mm. clients? And, and how do we find those... Um, happy mediums here so just welcoming anyone that's listening to to notice I guess when we're setting the boundaries what feels good for me in my body in relationship to each person that I'm meeting whether that's online whether that's um, through social media through one-to-one sessions or groups and noticing well feel it in our bodies oh I feel like I've gone out of alignment I feel like I've gone I'm feeling a bit of resentment or anger this is showing me that I've gone across my boundary here. You know, those subtle emotions that come up mm. straight away that can mm-hmm. tell us where we have bypassed our own boundaries. I love that because it's not all boundaries are one size fits all. You know, some people have capacity to do something. Some people won't. Some people might get back to everyone the same day they message client wise or have more capacity to contact people and be in conversation with people in their DMs. But another person that might not work for them. So I love that you just mentioned about checking in with your own body versus you should never do this. You should never do this or you should do this. I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love you and all your knowledge so much. <laughs> oh, I'm right back at you. I love you and all your knowledge so much. <laughs> You're so incredible. I feel so grateful. <laughs> oh, too much. Um, okay. I mean, we could talk about this forever, but we can't because we, we have to kind of, we've been talking a long time now. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you just want to, that's on your mind that you want to share or any other extra things that you just want to kind of, I guess, conclude and close with? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I get, so I guess I would finish just by inviting an overarching theme of patience and self-kindness and understanding while moving through this work, it's not always mm. easy and really bringing in this idea of like bit by bit, day by day, drop by drop that we use through trauma resolution, just what feels doable right now because it can feel overwhelming, all these things that we get to learn when we're running our own businesses and we're connecting with spirit. And how can we really break this down in a place, in a way that we can digest and integrate within ourselves mm-hmm. and cultivate and use this awareness for deeper self-love rather than deeper self-criticism. And so just inviting that and inviting any listeners to just take it slowly with grace and ease where we can and there's lots of resources on this if you'd like further info or through my Instagram or through, I've got a workshop coming up on communication and things like, yeah, nonviolent communication, the Imago technique, there's plenty out there. And, but just taking it at your own pace and knowing you're exactly where you're meant to be right now and you're doing the very best that you can. And this is all that we can do in each moment. Thank you. You're amazing. Those words were amazing. Um, you just, you just touched upon it, but where can people find you and, and what, uh, what's your availability for working with people? Like if someone's interested in doing this work deeper. 
Um, so I'm available through Instagram mainly and my website as well. So my Instagram's Madeleine.munro. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've got a few spaces open for one-to-one -one in autumn. And so that's if you'd like to go deeper in that aspect. Um, and then I've got a few workshops coming up at the end of this month and next month. Um, if that's not an availability for you to do the one-on-one -on -one work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Instagram and there's a lot of free content that I post and try to make accessible to break down these kind of pieces mm -hmm. to help us understand more deeply because that's what I needed when I was doing this work. Yes. And a meme or two. <laughs> love a good meme or two. We love that. Yeah. Learning through humour and the lightness of it all. You yeah. know, we do such deep work and I love yeah. the joy and humour that comes with, with memes. <laughs> yes oh I love it I love you thank you so 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 much for sharing sharing everything you you just shared I just think you're so so wise such a fountain of knowledge and like I said you're a true embodiment of this work and I think anyone listening can just hear how powerful a communicator you are and I know that that's what's helped me is just being in your presence and and how you communicate is what's what's helped me grow so much so I'm so grateful for you thank you so much oh I'm so grateful for you and I feel like we could go on and spend another 10 minutes just sharing our gratitude and appreciation and we probably will other. when I've switched the yeah. recording off <laughs> that will happen that's actually what we're gonna do <laughs> and then our text messages love you so much love you. yeah and um you know as we talk about this just yeah really yeah, honoring the power of conscious friendships and how much it means mm -hmm. and how, how accessible it, it can be, even if mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like someone's truth right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, little steps, like you said, little steps, little steps at a time. Mm. Yeah. I love you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so thank grateful. You. And thank you all to your listeners that, um, mm. yeah, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm.